Welcome to the Active Faith Podcast, where we explore an active self-care lifestyle. My name is Andrew Ware. I am your host, and I am the Running Rev. This is more than just going for a run or a bike ride. These are conversations with others as we seek to build a theology of self-care together, exploring how we take that initiative to care for ourselves in whatever way feels best for us as we seek to live out our faith and vocations. Welcome to episode 36. Today, in this episode, I am joined by the Reverend Jesse Colwell. Uh, she is uh, the person in my annual conference that is all the groups of all the Methodist churches and most all of the state of Virginia. And she's the one that deals a lot with clergy relationships and how clergy are interacting with their churches, how clergy are interacting with the conference uh, and their state of, of health, their state of self-care and all of these things. Um, and you'll hear in the episode a lot of the stuff that Jesse does, but I thought that this would be an excellent opportunity for us to talk to someone who is in this space and works in this space of helping others in these situations create and form good self-care practices in their professions. And so, you know, Jesse and I talk about it a lot from a pastoral perspective, a ministry perspective, a church perspective, and yet I think a lot of the lessons here transcend this vocation and transcend into other vocations. And so uh, let's go along this journey and let's hear and uh, let's hear this conversation that I have with Jesse. All right, so we are here today uh, with Reverend Jesse Colwell joining us from Richmond. So, Jesse, how you doing? doing great. Thanks for having me, Andrew. Yeah, definitely. I was so excited to get Jesse on to come and join us for this episode. Uh, so Jesse, before we get started, why don't you tell the folks who are you? Uh, where do you call home? And um, how do you practice self-care? All right. Absolutely. So I am Jesse Colwell. I'm the Director of Clergy Excellence for the Virginia Conference. And I'm starting my second year here in this position. So I'm still learning all the things that I'm supposed to be doing, and it's been an exciting time to try some new things as well. So healthy self-care, something we're always striving for as clergy, right? Yeah. And I think it's hard because as clergy, we care so much about God's people that we are willing to sacrifice ourselves, right? And some of that is our call, and yet we are also called to care for ourselves so that we can care for God's people. So I think it's it's difficult at all stages of your life to be a model for healthy self-care. I think for me, uh, two years ago, I just realized that I needed to make it a priority. In the Methodist Church, every year they have this evaluation and they have these uh, effective clergy effectiveness standards, and you have to pick like which one are you going to work on. And every yeah. year I pick self-care like, every <laughs> single year. And so I think that. <laughs> Two years ago, I was just like, okay, I can't just keep picking this and hoping yeah. that it will get better. Like, I have to actually do something about it. Um, and, you know, self-care is holistic. It, you know, it's mind, body, and spirit. And it doesn't mean that you're doing a 1,000% on each one of those, right? Um, but I think that it does mean that you are trying to take care of your mind, your body, and your spirit. And, you know, some of us do this in different ways. So what I'm going to talk about today are some things that have worked for me, but also that there's this huge pool of resources. And, Andrew, you've talked about some of those things yeah. that are available for people to try and see what works the best for them. So, 
Definitely. Yeah. And 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 for those of you sort of not from the Methodist world, Jesse's position is is in our conference office. So uh, she is kind of, you know, a step and level above me as a local pastor. And her job really is to look after the local pastors, look after all the ordained folks in the conference, uh, make sure that everything is going well. She receives and intakes all the new clergy, which is something that she's she's doing right now. We're about to go through that process again for another year. Uh, she sits and, and works with our bishop and our cabinet on appointments. She makes sure that clergy have what they need to do things. Um, and, and I mean, that's why I wanted to get her on here, because uh, at least from a clergy perspective, she provides that insight of, you know, Jesse's the person I call when maybe I need some leave in order for renewal, for rest, for sat, for sabbatical, for those kinds of things. Uh, she's the person that I call whatever my relationship with the conference is in need of some sort of change. Um, and whether you're working for the church or not, that kind of understanding and that kind of insight really brings into perspective uh, from that upper level. Because the conversations that Jesse's having are conversations that our clergy aren't just having with leadership in the church, but their conversation that I'm sure you listeners are having with your human resource departments, your whoever is observing you, their conversations you're having with your family. And so Jesse, let's start right at the top where I kind of start a lot of these episodes is like, is like, why you gave us a little insight, like, why are you practicing self care? And why does self care be, become such a vital thing for us to practice? So the thing I think I realized is like, nobody's going to do it for you. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, I think there are churches that might and organizations that may do a better job of holding their clergy accountable to self care. Like we even have a self care covenant, in Virginia, we created that people will go through with their churches and sign. So I do think that it is a responsibility of the organization and the church to care for their pastor, but also um, how can we model that this is important? And just to clarify, I'm not on the appointed cabinet. So like, no, no, I'm no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 sorry. Know that. Like I'm not, no, it's okay. She I'm serves, the, she serves as an extension. Yeah. Um, but I think that one thing that we talked about this year, and I'll talk about myself here in a minute, but one thing we talked about with our clergy is how do we start this process from the beginning? And so one of our opportunities to embody holistic self-care was with our provisional members because they have to have these two in-person residency events every year. So we talked about what would it look like to have an embodied soul care experience for these folks. And we took that as kind of our theme this time, how to embody the gospel. And we gave folks the option of going rafting down the James River or staying at the retreat center and doing some prayer walks and godly play. Um, but we really wanted to show the class coming in and all those who are, who are there, because it's class one, two, three, and three and beyond, that this is important and vital, and we are going to now include that as a part of all of their events, an opportunity to be outside and do some embodied spiritual self-care and reflection and just be in God's nature and presence. And so I was really excited about that this year that we started. And it seems like it was a great opportunity for the provisionals. I mean, when do pastors get to go rafting, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> unless you're like leading a trip or something. Um, yeah. It's just hard to find the time to do some of those. And it's, you know, can be a little pricey. Now we found a deal and we, you know, some of the buses were from our churches nearby who bus people over. So we were 
good stewards of the conference's funds to make that happen. But what a great opportunity for people to know, like, we care about you so much. We care about your soul and we care about you connecting with God in nature that we're going to give you this opportunity at this event where you're normally in a room listening to a lecture. Um, so that that's something I was really excited about and proud of this year that from the very beginning, we are starting with our provisionals, helping them model self-care by giving them these opportunities at events they have to go to. So I was really excited about that. Uh, I did not go rafting. I didn't want that conference <laughs> to pay for me to go, but um, <laughs> I did go see them off. And the, yeah. the best thing about that is, you know, three pastors went with them who, this is like their ministry, right? Like yeah. to have a downward devotional, like they took them down the river with the rafting company just to be safe, right? Yeah, that's how you care for your yeah, clergy, right? Yeah. Lives sometimes with the rafting company, but they got to live out their call of who they are, and also help open these uh, young pastors' minds and pastors of all ages of what their ministry can be. Like, how yeah. can you use these gifts where you really connect with God and invite people into these practices? So that's part of it too. It's it's not a solitary thing, you know, self care, and that's what I think Andrew you so so beautifully shown is that you've invited people into something that you love, that God has called you to do, and you've made it a ministry, right? And so like, yeah. that's, that's the exciting part about this is we don't practice self-care in isolation, right? We have to invite people into... <laughs> And that becomes and that becomes the difficult part of naming. And this is where, at least for me, my love of the Methodist connection really comes into play because we are connected across boundaries. And in order to be I mean, at least for me, the really successful pastors and, and I use success kind of broadly, not to say that there's like one successful pastor, but a lot of the pastors that I've seen do really well in the vocation of pastoring. Um have been ones who have found the connectional system and and been a part of it. They're the pastors who they they serve beyond their local church. They serve in the conference. They have clergy colleagues that they can go to. They have folks around even in their area, uh, maybe who are both a part of the church and not a part of the church, who are a part of their life. And so I wonder for those folks, you know, you, you talk about let's catch them at the let's catch them at the onset. Uh, and that was just starting to be a part of the conversation when I started coming through the process in 2014 of, okay, let's, let, let's like actually take, start taking self-care seriously. Let's start talking about it. Let's start making it a part of the conversation. Um, so maybe what about those folks who it wasn't a part of, of their sort of uh, vocational intake, so to say, sure. yeah, what can I, we, what can, what can we do to really begin um not to like shove self-care down their throats, but to, to help them understand the importance of, um, and not even making it just like a day off, uh, but making them understand of, you know, taking rest time, having a community around to support you, having good mental health support around you that really cares for yourself. Um, you know, all of these things that we've talked about here on Active Faith. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. And I think there's different things that you can do as a boss, and, you know, a pastor and also in your office, if you do have coworkers, um, if you don't have coworkers, I would say um, a ministry group in your community is really important. It may not be your denomination, but there are other pastors nearby and you can gain such collegiality and support from those folks. 
Um, so that's what I would say too. Like if you're beyond the provisional process, if you're if you're never ended, if you've been in ministry forever, and or maybe you know I find a lot of folks who transfer into this conference just don't have those connections, right? Like they don't they're not connected to people. So how can we at each district level, especially now that they've been combined, make sure that there are people out there who are not connected. Um, but I would say some things that you can just do um, and think about any pastor, any organization, any extension ministry as well, is how are you spending your time? Because mm-hmm. we only have so much time, right? And sometimes our time is taken away from us in ways that perhaps we were not planning. And that's ministry, right? And I think it's funny. We as pastors try to plan our day. <laughs> yeah. And then God has other plans or the people of God have other plans and demands for our time. But I think that there's a couple things you can do each day to practice good self-care. And this goes for anybody, whether you've been, um, I've gotten this in our process or not. But I think just starting your day off well. Um, and for me, that's devotion and prayer time. And so a lot of it actually I do in my car on my way to work. Because I know once I come in the office, there's just so many things waiting for me. So I'll listen mm-hmm. to a podcast. I'll get in. I'll listen to some amazing, you know, music, and I'll have some prayer time in my car on the way here. And I don't for anybody. You might want to read a devotional. You might want to read the Bible. As we were preparing for this, I was reflecting on Colossians three twenty three. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for yeah. men. So God cares about our work for the Lord and we should give it our all. And part of that is how we are caring for ourselves and God's people. Um, The other thing I think that's really important is just boundaries. I think that's hard again for pastors, right? Because people die and that is a priority to respond to the family. And sometimes you want to have three deaths in one week. But I think the thing about boundaries is not just having them, it's communicating them. So especially if you have a vacation coming up, Um, especially if you're taking some Sabbath time, um, communicating that with your church or your organization. Mm -hmm. Because people are more likely to respect your boundaries if they, in fact, know about your boundaries. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, sometimes not, right? But for the most part, if people know you're going on a family vacation or that you've been setting aside these days for a long time, and your leadership can also help protect those boundaries for you. So boundaries are important. I think for me, I try not to respond to email outside of office times. I will check some, the nature of what I do is more 24 seven because it is some emergency response depending on what's happening with pastors who might need to go and leave immediately. So part of that is the nature of my job, but I try not to um, email a lot outside of work time. And also I just need to be away for a minute. Like I do better when I step yeah. away. <laughs> well, and 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 yeah. I and and I kind of told, and I kind and and there's even something about how that time away is being spent, mm-hmm. um, because there's also that nature where you outline to people. Um, you know, I remember when I was really early in ministry, it was um, I think it was I can't remember. I think it might have been my second appointment, uh, the second church that I served, um, and you know, I said Friday's my day off, and like I don't answer church calls on Friday. Like I don't, I don't answer my phone. I turn my email off and got a lot of pushback from that. Cause they're like, well, what if we need you? Or what if something happens or, you know, you know, they try and concoct all of these grand, you know, things that might happen where, I mean, I could serve, you know, 45 years in ministry and it would never happen to me once, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially let alone on my singular day off 
or, or one of my two days off in the week. Um, and I just remember saying that, like, gosh, don't I deserve like a time where I don't have to worry or stress about my phone going off, about someone calling me. Um, and then I was reflecting about the vacation that I had, you know, a few weeks back uh, with with some of my church members. And they're like, how was your vacation? And, and I told them, I'm like, well, didn't like in a lot of ways, like I didn't it didn't feel like vacation. Um, you know, we got that really nice, you know, three or four days at the lake and that felt really great and nice. And I mean, even spraining my ankle, like that wasn't going to prevent me from enjoying vacation, but then coming back and, you know, my kid having COVID and then having to isolate and they're like, Oh, but you got to rest and relax at home. I said, it, it wasn't really relaxing because you know, our, our anxiety, our stress, it was all heightened. And so there's a nature in which like that time off also means like time off. That's in a good mental headspace. That's in a good emotional space where that time off becomes refreshing because when, and I say it all the time, like when I'm here at church, um, you know, when I'm in the pulpit, when I'm doing things like I want to be giving my all to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's one of the things that, that I really had to wrestle with when I was really early in ministry. Cause I remind myself, like I, I'm getting paid for this. Like this is a, I mean, it's a job and unfortunately it's a job that is, it's not often like a nine to five. It's not like, you know, I'm clocking in somewhere and I have very specific tasks that I accomplish at that place. And then at some point in time, I clock out, like you're right. Like one of the biggest examples that we have is like, you know, someone could die at any time. I mean, I've gotten an 11 o'clock at night phone call that someone passed away. You know, I've gotten, um, I've gotten the really early morning, like three, four o'clock phone call that someone's having a really bad time. You know, um, I, I, you know, we get those phone calls and, you know, I, one of the greatest examples that I have of this is is for those of you who've watched the show Scrubs. Um, there was a there was an episode where um, Dr. Kelso, you know, the the chief person at the hospital, uh, he starts talking about, you know, you just got to leave everything at the hospital. And he always jokes that he can have the worst day in the world. And as soon as his foot leaves that last step at the hospital, he just walks off whistling because he tries to he tries to put it behind him. Otherwise, he knows. And I mean, you know, Bob Kelso is is a bad example in many other ways from Scrubs. But in this yeah. one example, I think that we could no, not this one example. But but in this example, I think we can learn like, you know, there are those boundaries that help us to make sure that when I'm on, like I'm on and I'm there and I'm fully committed right? I can be at church. I can deliver a sermon or, or like something that happened. Like we had someone come to our service yesterday, just going through a rough time. And like, I'm sitting there. Um, and, and, you know, they apologize for like, keeping me after church said, no, like I'm here. Like, let me know what you need. Um, and then like, as soon as I stepped out of the church and got in my car and went home, like brain, like I'm now in dad mode, father mode, I'm done ignoring the pain that's in my arm, you know, all of those things. And so I think that the boundaries becomes the important thing. Um, I mean, almost like the most, I, I would almost say the most important things. I think the boundaries really sets up for us to be able to practice those other areas mm-hmm. of self-care. Right. Um, and so for you in your ministry, not just in your current position, but, but mm-hmm. as a, as a, as a pastor in previous appointments. Um, uh, so for, for those who may not know Jesse, uh, so so our Virginia Conference listeners will know Jesse. Uh, but for those who don't, you know Jesse has served both in a large church experience, and then she's also served in in smaller church experiences. And so, for you in your ministry, what has boundaries looked like? 
at all of the various different levels? Yeah, you know, it really also just depends church by church because every church yeah. has a different culture. So I started off, so I was in the pastoral ministry in the local church for 13 years before I came here. Um, I started off at a mid-sized church, and yet my second year I started a new worship service. So usually that would kind of be a backseat associate pastor position, like learn how to be a pastor. But I, I was kind of thrown into starting a new service and preaching every single Sunday and like starting kind of its own church in a way. So that was a little yeah. bit more than I had expected it to do. But and yet that's like why they hired me because I was excited about that. Um, and, but I got mono that year. And I think that's because oh like yeah. my body was like, stop it. <laughs> so, and I was young and I was like, I can do all these things, you know? I and I think everything. that, you know, one of the self-care things you have to realize is just like realistic expectations for yourself. Like one of the most powerful things for me that I've learned, especially this year is like, you literally, literally can only do so much. You can only do so many emails. You can only create so many documents. You can only you know, work for so many hours and then you, because it, it's just not possible, right? Like just, yeah. it's not possible. And so I think for me early in my ministry, one of the things I learned was like, listen to your body. <laughs> like you said, your body is always talking to you. I mean, yeah. sometimes you're like, I'll talk to you later, <laughs> body, you know, but like your body is always telling you, like, if you're tired, if you're hungry, I mean, one way mm -hmm. I care for myself now too is I pack a healthy lunch because I, I know if I don't I'm gonna be sitting here eating like goldfish and chocolate right which you know you need sometimes but today I have like a poke bowl because I thought of it like, <sighs> you have to take care of your body too because if you're sick you don't have your health you have nothing you have nothing yeah. and we know that as a pastor too watching people go through all these things so I think I learned early um, and I was just trying to do too much you know there were people who were there to help me but I also I think I was trying to like prove myself in a way like to myself you know like nobody was putting these expectations on me right like this was I, all self induced no and i mean <laughs> i mean we do that yeah i mean we do that all the time as just human beings like we we feel like we need to prove our worth mm -hmm. and like if i'm not proving my worth then then what is it worth no i mean i think that's a great point yeah. So some of that, of course, was, um, you know, my, and I think on the disc inventory, like I'm just a high achiever. Like that's just yeah. who I am. And part of that for me <laughs> is like doing things. Like I have to do things to feel like I'm achieving something. I don't know. So I've learned that about myself. But I think one of the most powerful things that I've learned too is um, knowing when to step away and when to come back. Um, I think that, you know, so often we feel like we just have to get things done, but I can tell you if I received a difficult email and I step away from it for a little while and I come back, I'm going to have a much better response for the person mm. because, you know, and I think part of what COVID has done, which, you know, some things have happened during the season of COVID that have been helpful as far as the way people connect with each other and, you know, sought out counseling when they should. And, but some things that have not been helpful is people now demand immediate responses. And I think that this has happened in the church as well, right? Like this is just, this is who we have become, but that doesn't mean that it's possible or realistic to give an immediate response. It depends what it is, Yeah. but uh, it's just like when they teach you, when you become a pastor, like somebody's emergency isn't necessarily your emergency like something administrative is probably not an emergency 
The state yeah. of someone's soul, yeah, that's probably, you know, that would be up there on my to-do list to, to care for people, like you said, this Sunday. That's important. Uh, but I think the other thing that I've tried to model, too, is, is just knowing when to share and when not to share. Because I think as clergy, it's it's hard because people put you, you know, on a pedestal, and, and you're a real person, and yet you also command the pastoral office. So, like, finding the balance of when it's appropriate to share and be vulnerable and when it's appropriate just to listen and to not share. And I think for me, something that's been amazing this year, too, is I share about how I have counseling once a month. I have coaching once a month, and that's during office hours to yeah. model, like, this is how I care for myself. Um, and I will continue to do that. I told my friend, I was like, I need a whole team of people to help me. Oh, <laughs> like, man, golly. I can't do this by myself. I need, like, all these professionals. I mean, I'm not saying yeah. that because I'm in trouble. But I think that that's how God created us. And I was thinking about the early church, right? Like, in Acts 2, um, they made it because they were together. You know? yeah. They were having meals together. They were talking about the apostles' teaching. They prayed together. I mean, like, we need each other to practice holistic self-care. So I'm not shy about talking about mental health. And I think, like you said, Andrew, that's the power in it, right? Like, the more we talk about it, the less it feels taboo to talk about. And especially mm-hmm. as clergy, like, we're not used to talking about ourselves. We're used to getting other people help. But how can we create these safe places for clergy to share like, how they're doing and what help that they might need? And that's what we've really, and that's what you're working on with this yeah. clergy care initiative that we're hoping to roll out. And, you know. Well, I think that. That's hopefully the change that we're beginning to see in society as we're reflecting on what this looks like. And I think that that's one of the big things that's kind of uh, come out of the pandemic somewhat is society in general has realized that, you know, the way we used to do things doesn't necessarily work as well as we thought it did. Um, Because we found out that our society is so vulnerable that you know, even I mean, like I'm not calling COVID small. I'm I like, but but even like a virus can just completely up into society when it forces us to do things differently, right? When it forces us to um, go virtual, right? When I mean, we all clergy had to go virtual for months. Like, uh, you know, here in the Virginia Conference, uh, I didn't have an in-person worship service from the middle of March until the middle of July. Yeah, um, yeah I think and I know, too, yeah, and I, I know I was one of the earlier ones to start coming back um, in that in that scenario. I mean, kids being virtual in school, like we made everything so you know strict and and right in this way. Um, that we forgot how to be flexible and we forgot how to how to really be in tune with what needs to happen that that we really didn't recognize the way that we are called to to live and exist and i think that self-care becomes part of that ritual because when things changed the things we had always done no longer worked and so you even tell a clergy person um, cause I mean, I know I'm not the first one. And I mean, I know I came through in, in, in 2014, that's when I came into pastoral ministry. And I know I was not the first pastor. Or I was in the first group of pastors to be told, you know, take a day off, make sure you take all your vacation, all those things. Um, and yet when the pandemic hits and now it's like, all right, take your day off. And it's like, yeah, but like the, the worship service isn't ready for Sunday or, you know, and, and there was so much going on. Even that one day off felt like it wasn't enough. Even that, like, 
okay, I'm the clergy person who now has to, who is the only person who can bring worship to these people every week. Like I'm this, like I'm the sole center. And so I can't take a vacation because otherwise church isn't happening. And I know, especially for me, that was tough because I was the person who was doing all the technological stuff at my church before I moved appointments. And so like clergy were the center of technology. And so we were the ones who controlled to make sure that worship happened. And so without like, how do I take a vacation if it means that my people can't worship? Um, And I mean, it just, and the pan, and then it, it made it worse. And now on the back end, we're like, no, that was really unhealthy. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, I think Um, we have to name that clergy have really been through some trauma uh, for so many reasons during the pandemic. And I think for like, I was at a three point charge during the pandemic. And um, the hardest thing was when people died and you couldn't have a funeral. I mean, and that's, that's traumatic for the family. I mean, eventually you would have these funerals, right? But yeah. something about grief that's helpful you can actually have a service in like a timely fashion and like as a moving point for your grief journey and so i think we just have to name and part of it was we had never been there before so how do you resource pastors i mean clearly now we all need to be trained in like disaster response <laughs> like that should be part of the seminary curriculum right because or <laughs> you know of uh, financial stewardship or technology right like that should be now part of, of what they are teaching pastors before they're sending them out. But I think if we've learned anything, we've learned about adaptive leadership and that is ministry. And I mm-hmm. think that's also helped me let go of some things as well, because like you said, what I had always always done was not working. Um, but it also allowed me to let go. And I think that the blessing is that there was some innovation that could occur. And, you know, it opened the door to see, wow, like there is another way to do ministry and how can we do this effectively? I was surprised. I did all my Bible study during that time. And I had a mainly older congregation too, who, um, you know, technology was not their favorite. And yet they were willing to try some things mm-hmm. that maybe they weren't willing to try in the past because it was all we had. Um, so yeah. I think we have to name that shared trauma. Um, and that's something I think as pastors, it's so hard. We compartmentalize in the moment when we're like you said, like caring for people. But then at some point we do need to like work it out, right? Like we need mm-hmm. to talk to somebody about it or something that really helps me as a self-care practice is journaling because I'm such like a thinker. Like mm-hmm. that's why I just, I'm just always like systematic and thinking rather than feeling. So journaling really helps me connect my mind and my heart to like what feelings come from this experience and how can I like, What's really going on? Like, sometimes I can't name how I really feel unless I'm, like, writing about something. I'm like, oh, (laughs) like, oh, that's what's been happening. That's what that's from. Sometimes you can't find out the root of what you're feeling, right? But there are ways to try. Um, And I think that that's what's powerful about us as Methodists is we have liturgy for that, right? Like, Mm -hmm. we have prayers when things happen. Like, we have services that we can do. We have we can help people have these experiences in their own life and go to physical places and pray with them and for them as they're moving forward in their own, you know, journey. So I think that that's really powerful. Like liturgy, that's always been a powerful part for me. Like my dad passed away um, two months ago and something that's just been really powerful for me in my grief journey is just like going to places that he really loved and not even like saying anything, right? Just like going there and just, Mm -hmm being present. So I think that there's always more we can be doing to take care of ourselves, but just starting out with some really simple practices 
and clearing time and trying some new things. Like I was never like a meditation person. I was like, no, <laughs> but I have to tell you some of these, you know, Bible guided meditations like are really relaxing. You know, I like the shorter like, ones. Right. It's like <laughs> you have to be open. And as we're growing too, like you have to be open to trying new things. And that might yeah. get you excited to, you know, get back to some of the things you used to love to do to care for yourself. So I just, you know, there's a lot of things you can do. Um, and for me, taking being self-care too is like being encouraging to other people. Like that's always just been part of who I am and, and encouraging other people to take time off and care. Mm-hmm. Like I think the last thing I always say to our provisionals or anybody who retreat is like, take care of yourself. Because <laughs> like, <laughs> I want them to know above all, like that's what's the most important thing to me, you know, yeah. like, that they're okay and they can continue in ministry. So I don't know. I'm not sure I answered any of your questions. But well, I, but but I continue to just come back to, you know, it, it's become more a part of our psyche to begin to look and understand what am I doing to make sure that that I am, you know, as in a good space as possible to be able to do what God is calling me to do. And I think when we begin to answer that question and we begin to understand that um, I need to do X, Y, Z, um, or I need this, I need that, I need to do this. It's it's really getting in that mindset to say, I need this. Um, yeah, I, Jesus I think, went away. He stepped away. Yeah. Jesus knew yeah. he stepped away for a minute from the crowd yeah. or to sleep. You know, there's a storm, but Jesus needed a nap. You know, I'm just saying, like, Jesus modeled for us. Yeah. Um, some healthy self-care practices of knowing when to trust his disciples, right? Like, she's like, okay, yeah. I'm going to go away for a minute. You're fine. <laughs> well, I, and I, think that there's, <laughs> yeah. I think that there's always this thought process of, man, I wish I could take care of myself that way. Yeah, like, wouldn't I, that I, be I'm, nice? Yeah. I'm pretty sure I've, well, no, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I've heard that before. And I, I, I want my response to be, well, why not? Mm-hmm. Like, why not? Uh, why can't it be acceptable? Like in the midst of like a really tense, like meeting at church for us to just like stop and like walk away, maybe, I don't know, like, or, or why can't it be just like, if it's a really busy, hectic season, right? I mean, I think at this point in time in ministry, you know, it's been eight years since I've been in ministry. This is my eighth year in ministry. Like at this point in time, I think it's a given to my SPRCs that the week after Christmas and the week after Easter are just like automatic vacations. Like they just like, just write that on the calendar at the beginning of the year. Like that, like why can't that just be a given? Mm -hmm. Um, Why do we feel like we have to, we have to ask for something like that? Why can't, Um, and I even, you know, I mean, this is a lot more on society, but I think society has made that mindset so typical that we desire things that we actually deserve. Yeah. I think, you know, again, it's about communication. Like one thing that Mm -hmm. I always did, nobody ever told me to do this. Who knows why I did this, but I always, I always did a pastoral report and I even do one now for the Bishop, um, every month. And I do that for a lot of reasons. I do that one because I'm a high achiever. <laughs> I'm like, look at all the things I've done. But I also do that to show like, look at all the things I've been doing. Cause sometimes I think yeah. as pastors, people are like, oh, you just get ready for Sunday or, oh, you just do funerals and weddings. But when they can see like, I was working on a Bible study, I was working on Lent, I was working on Advent. Mm-hmm. And so I think that again, 
if you're communicating all the things that you're doing, not to be like a showboat, right? But to show them like, hey, like I'm doing ministry and it doesn't, here's all the forms that that takes. Then yeah. you build that trust with folks to be able to support you in taking that time off because they know that you're working. Like there's evidence, you know, especially during the pandemic. I think that was the hardest because people are like, oh, you're home all the time. And you're like, yes, I am home because I have no that choice. Is the, that is part of the problem. That is, that is. <laughs> but if you have a kid, right? Like I had a kid, you have kids. Like, yeah. like you said, that is not always the best environment. Um, it yeah. can be. But it can make it more difficult to have to fulfill yeah. both of those roles in the same moment. I'll say it was so. much easier at my last parsonage than it is at this house. Mm-hmm. We had like an office in the basement. This one, I actually was like, nope, I'm going to be the only one in this office because there's no place for me to work at home. <laughs> yeah, no, it's hard. Um, I mean, we found ways to adapt to that, right? Like, because we yeah. had to, and it was great, I'm sure, to have a little bit more time with our kids. Like, right, there are some blessings in it. And yet, it's still it's still difficult, I think. But um, the other thing I would say for self-care is, like, get to know your, your coworkers and your leadership because mm-hmm. they will encourage you in your self-care and you can journey with each other. Like, one of my favorite memories so far of working at the conference office is when RJ set up the Walk at Annual Conference, Walk Around. Yeah. And all of us here in the building knew we probably wouldn't be able to do it because we had other responsibilities. Like, you know, we have the service of order and ministry that day and there's, it's a whole, anyway, we just yeah. we desired to support him and be part of the conference, but we knew that we can do it on site. And so yeah. we did it here and it was such a great time of one, honoring our coworker who had planned this and to support, you know, the conference through mission, but also just having some time to go on a walk with people. And so, you know, I always say you have to know where you can borrow a fork, right, in your office. And you only know that by getting to know all the other people <laughs> in your office, right? And like by finding kitchen and palette, stealing silverware. Right. And so now I know I can go to the business office because they always have forks and are willing to share. <laughs> right. But I would not know that had I not, you yeah. know, I think that you have to seek out these relationships too as a pastor. Um, but your ministry is is just so much more rich when you know the gifts and graces, and then you invite people along with you in your journey of self care. Because the most powerful thing is when somebody calls like your staff or your SPRC chair, they're like, "Where is Pastor Andrew? Where is yeah. Pastor Jesse?" And they're like, "Oh, today is Pastor Andrew Sabbath. So hey, yeah. what's going on?" And and knowing that that person will pass it to you if it's an emergency, but also knowing that person's going to protect you all the other things you're trying to do if it's not. So yeah. you have to have people, you have to have people helping you to do these things. But like you and said, again, like, how are you making it a priority in your life? Though? Yeah. yeah. Well, and I mean, I'll just read it. Like this is, this is how Jesse, you know, helps other pastors in, in their journey is, is telling them these things. And so, you know, whether you're a pastor or not listening to this podcast, like these are, a lot of these are tangible actions that we can take in our lives. You know, we all should have time off of work. We all should have spaces and places, even within like wherever we work, where we feel like whether it's just someone who's in your office who will listen to you, someone who's in your office who you know can help you in certain ways, you know, and and then it's creating spaces within your vocation in order to care for yourself. Because again, whether you're in the office, out of the office, whether you're working from home, you know, what does that schedule look like? What does that community that's around you look, look like? 
and, and this is where I often talk about the different kinds of community that we experience. And I think my journey as a pastor has taught me more than anything, because um, I often say that my relationship with the church is so warped that it's it's so hard to think of the church in the same manner of community as like people who are members of the church do. Um, and I remind a lot of my friends this is is a lot of times I I don't. I'm not a part of a church because I've chosen to be a part of the church, like that specific church, um, is that I'm sent to that church. Like I serve because uh, that's where God and my bishop have appointed me to. And that's not a bad thing because I, one, it's a vow I have taken in the Methodist church. Um, and, and two, it's kind of a whole trust exercise with God and my bishop uh, and the cabinet to be able to say, no, I, I trust that this is where I'm supposed to be, and this is what I'm supposed to do. Um, and so what are those other communities, right? You know, we've got, we've got family community. We've got friend community. You've got colleagues who are around you. Um, you know, I've got, uh, you know, I've got my wife and my kids. They're, they surround me with love and grace. I've got my in-laws. I've got my parents. I've got all of, all of my family and her family, you know, I've got my friends, uh, my running community, uh, those who are here around me in Suffolk, Virginia, you know, I have other clergy colleagues who I can just go and, and, and vent to and tell them how terrible something that happened at church was. And like, the cool thing is they get it, like they understand. Um, and so, you know, we need to identify all of those different communities and, and even going back to like the finding the fork, like, what can each of those communities offer to us to help support us as we continue to move along in our vocational practice? Absolutely. You know, it's all about relationships, just like the Bible, right? I mean, that's really how we can take <laughs> care of ourselves and, you know, encourage each other to take care. And so I always ask pastors to, I have, you're right. I have a lot of people who call me and it's kind of like a cold call, right? Like, I don't know that they're calling me. Sometimes they'll text me or send an email, but it's always, and a lot of it is conversations about um, leave. Like you said, renewal leave is like the most popular and that's possible for pastors in Virginia conference after you've served a certain amount of years. But um, but I always ask people, tell me about your systems of self-care. Tell me, tell me about your systems of accountability. So, um, and like how, how, how are people checking on you and how are you sharing with other people? Like, does your church know that you are thinking about going on renewal leave? You know, like, do they realize that this is where you are at this moment in time? And I don't say that to be like punitive at all, you know, um, but it's, you have to have these systems of accountability in place because they're also systems of care. Like you said, ideally you surround yourself with people who are encouraging and want to support you and are saying, Hey, like, how's that's going in like a helpful way, right? Like, yeah. how is that going? And tell me what's hard. And I see, I see a lot of our pastors too do book studies together. And that seems to be a great spiritual care practice where they're checking in with each other or learning something new. I see pastors work together on sermons and that seems to be a really great self-care practice. Like with the disclaimer that the sermon is written by all these people together and nobody's taking it yeah. as their own, you know, but so I, I think that our pastors in Virginia have found creative ways to care for each other and have those um, systems of accountability and support. But then, you know, the ones I would say the people who get in trouble the most are the people who feel like they're isolated or the people who have no accountability um, because you're much more likely to make a mistake or to do something wrong or to get in trouble or to be in a really bad head place if, you're, if you feel like you're isolated. It doesn't mean that there's not people there. But yeah. if you get into that space, it, it's just hard 
So I'm also, one of the things I've kind of taken on this year is when I see a clergy person who's not as connected for whatever reason, I'm trying to pair them with somebody in their district who is. So mm -hmm. that they can, you know, because that's the gift of the connection. But, and I, I find that people do better, you know, of course, when they're connected, even through the process of interviews and ordination. Like if people have that support on the way there, they're much more likely to have a good interview and a good paper. Yeah. I mean, things happen, right? But for the most part, I, I found that to be true. So, and we're such a huge conference. I forget that a lot. Like I grew up well, here, but some yeah. people didn't like, it's huge and it's hard yeah. to come in and be like, who are these people? <laughs> are these well, and even conference? so, yeah. you know, we, we often want there to be just like one magic answer. Right. And someone will call you and ask for renewal leave. And they're like, oh, if I could just get like these three weeks off, right. like I'll be good. And and we just like we want that magic answer to like just fix everything. Uh, and, and this is where it becomes appreciative that you kind of dig deeper into that, because, you know, I even think going away for a week of vacation, it you know, am I just going away to escape my troubles or am I going away to truly find renewal so that when i come back i'm i'm ready to continue to do the work because you know if we go away and like i go away for three weeks and then i come back am i just coming back into the same problems that i had before i left right am i coming back to overworking myself right to no time off to just you know right. free-flowing phone calls to you know all the problems that i left unsolved in my congregation before i left um and so, you know, we often want to come and say, hey, can I have, and, and I mean, I've, you know, I'm, I'm sure pastors have done this. All right, I'm going to take two weeks off, right? Um, I'm going to take two weeks of vacation, which if you're a pastor, take two weeks of vacation, not one, two, take them at the same time because it's going to make it better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it takes you a while just to start just to being, get a, just, yeah. just getting away. Like, takes a minute, you know? And I think that's why yeah. I ask those questions, because although renewal leave is a blessing and a great gift and can be wonderful, I agree. Like, the work is always going to be there. So how mm -hmm. are you figuring out how to deal with that in a healthy way? And I think part of it, too, good self-care is knowing your warning signs. Like, Again, like your body's talking to you, your mind is talking to you, your heart, you know, the Holy Spirit is talking to you. And I think Tom Berlin put it this way, you know, some days he's just not fit for human consumption. And I yeah. think that when we get to those places, there's usually a reason why. And sometimes it's situational, right? Like sometimes it's just a busy season and there's nothing that we could have done differently that we end up in these places, right? Mm -hmm. But sometimes there, are, you know, there's warning signs going off along the way and being able to acknowledge those things on the front end. And like, for me, I'm a hyper-focused person. And so that's one of my gifts. That's why I can get so much work done. So on a day where I'm just completely unfocused or whatever, like something is happening, um, whether mm -hmm. I've had a call come in that I don't know the answer that I think is really important that takes me a minute to find out or whatever. I mean, that's one of my uh, alarms, like what, why can't, what is happening? So, and for me, I have to step away and kind of reset and come back to be able to move forward. But everybody has different warning signs. Everybody has different kind of things they need to do to get themselves back into a healthy place, you know, with help and support. Um, so, but I think that also one of the things we can do is help people realize when these things are happening in their lives as pastors, right? Like if you have a finance chair, who's usually like the most joyful person in the world who comes in and sits at a, through a whole meeting and doesn't talk, right? Like red flag, yeah. like what, 
So I think that we would hope people would do this for us in our lives, but part, a part of our ministry also is caring for other people and helping them care for themselves. Because, you know, we get these fantastic volunteers and then everybody wants them and then they get burnt out and then they're gone. That's a yeah. disservice to them. That's a disservice to the church. So it's just like, how can we, how can we model healthy self-care and talk about it from the pulpit, right? Um, yeah. How can we model that? in servant ministry as our role when we're doing Bible studies or leading people in meetings? How do we model that when we go visit the sick? Um, how, and I think the thing, the gift about being a pastor is there's some flexibility, right? Like, yes, there's stuff you have to do, but you really set your schedule. I mean, there's stuff yeah. you, right? And so how are we using that again with the time we have? How are we making it a priority to care for ourselves? And I mean, Andrew, I am not perfect, you know, like nope. I, you know, I am living well, into this every day. So I want people to know that it's not, it's not like, like you said, you find the magical answer, you're good at it forever. But at least now I can share, like, here's what I, tr like, this is what I am doing. And I'm continuing well, and to work on it. That's why I added the tagline, you know, we're building a theology of self-care together because yeah. I mean, like, I wish I had everything figured out. Like, it would make my life so much you're easier so if honest, I had everything though. figured out. I mean, I think that's why people <laughs> relate to you, is you're just sharing, like, especially uh, lately with your injuries, you're just like, I yeah. try so hard, and, and oh now I God. can't. <laughs> but that happens to us sometimes, you know? But, but yeah. what can you do? Like, there's stuff you yeah. can't do, right? But, like, what can, what does it give you the opportunity to do? I cannot magically it. heal bones. It's sure. it's it's like my one big regret right now. Yeah. Um, no, but I mean, I think I mean, it, it really does help us to understand, you know, where do we go to learn these lessons? And I mean, that's why that's why I brought it here, because I, I realized that was my realization in the pandemic was like, where is a space where we can talk about these kinds of things? And and that becomes the important concept because I don't think I've had a guest on here who has self-care figured out. And yet I'm 30 something shows into this podcast <laughs> and I've had, you know, 20 something people come in here and talk about self-care and yeah. talk about their own, you know, successes and failures with self-care. I mean, for those of our listeners who listened to, to, to Jessica's story last week, like that was just like a venting session about when everything goes wrong. <laughs> sure. We all have those um, days, and, don't we? Yeah. And, and coming to that place and, and, and understanding. And so uh, it's that holistic nature that continues to drive it. And it's not going to be one thing that fixes it, right? You know, it's not going to be, oh, if I just take these three weeks of renewal leave, I I'm going to be good. It's like, you're going to be good for like two or three days when you come back. But then, you know, the problems are just going to mount up again. Um, unless you spend that three weeks, you know, learning and discerning ways in which you're going to come back and you come back and set those boundaries yeah. or you spend those three weeks forming those relationships right. and you spend those three weeks doing those things that's going to make it so that when you come back, you have the system in place to not need those three weeks again, because, and I mean, one of the faults, I don't know, like, I mean, there's only so much renewal leave that you can actually give, right? And, and in the Methodist church, we, we have a time-based system of how often and how, how often you can take renewal leave, and then based on how often, how much renewal leave you can take. Um, and so it's like, you can only take extended, you know, renewal leaves every, you know, six or seven years. And you can't just wait 
six or seven years, it's like, all right, I just need to get to year seven and then I can take another, you know, three months and I get that time off. You know, you can't just live six or seven years at a time. And I mean, Jesse, you're right. Like we can go seasons, right? And I mean, again, like the best example that I always have for people is just a pastor during Lent or Advent. It's like, all right, I can just get to Christmas. And it literally becomes, and I think for me, it's because of the self-care rituals that I built in place mm-hmm. that it's like, all right, like it's it. time to, yeah. to just, I like my day off. Like, all right, this day off is what is going to help to get me to Christmas so that after Christmas, mm-hmm. I have my time off where I can really collect and my, renew myself. But it's like, all right, I got my day off or my days off, or I have like my daily devotion time, you know, I have my my daily run, I have, you know, whatever it is, it's like, all right, this like, and naming like, this is getting me to Christmas, where I can fully get into a rest and relax mode. Um, Are you planning that like for a year, right? And that was one of the things that I had prepared, like, what are you giving yourself to also look forward to? You know what I mean? Like, what things Mm -hmm. do you have planned that are enriching your soul? Like, and how can you, just like we plan for Advent and Lent, like liturgically um, and logistically, how are you doing that for your self-care rituals? Like, how are you planning that into your schedule with trips, with events, with continuing education, time with friends, time away, vacation? Like, how can you plan your life now? The best life plans, right? But hey, at least yep. we can try. And so how are you doing that? And then who is who is helping you with that? Who is holding you yeah. accountable? Who is encouraging you saying, hey, I remember you're going to take that trip. Are you not going anymore? Like what's happening? You know, we need people to ask us those questions. And so how can we make that a priority in our life, you know, as well? So, yeah. Oh, I often say like, you know, when, when you're in seminary and you take your preaching classes, they kind of tell you there's two styles of, there's two ways to develop a sermon. There are the people who plan and organize and, and write their sermon days, if not, you know, lots of time in advance. Um, and then you have the more free flowing people who that they, they put the effort in, like they put the time into the sermon. Um, but they're the ones who you often see maybe with just notes. And then you'll often say they fill in with the spirit. And, and I remember the first time that I preached a youth retreat and, um, because of the nature of a youth retreat, I had four sermons that I had to preach in the midst of like what would have been like 48 hours. And so I didn't write out four full sermons and it, it made me really nervous. And, and one of the, one of the folks there, and and again, like we talk about the kind hearted nature of people, people, they just want to say the right thing. Um, but they often say, and they're just like, Oh, we'll just trust the spirit. And I, and I retorted back. I'm like, sometimes trusting the spirit is having a plan in place. (laughs) Um, and, and while the spirit may throw a curveball like at that moment, um, for me and my soul, I, I mean, I work the same as you, Jesse. Like, I'm like, I, I need the schedule filled out. And like, if something comes and that schedule changes, I know that that is fine. Mm-hmm. But sure. if I, but if, but, and especially, especially in my mind with my anxiety and my ADHD and all that stuff that happens, like if I'm not planned out, then one, I get that you know, ADHD paralysis. That's like, I know what I need to do, but I just can't do it. Um, but even then it's like, all right, when something happens now I can move things around to make sure that yeah, all my stuff still absolutely. gets done. And yeah, um, that and, openness, you have to, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I know that there are people who work in completely different ways than that. Absolutely. And I so wish, 
I wish I could be one of those people sometimes. <laughs> I do too. Absolutely. Well, that's the thing but too. And I was just my brain doesn't that. work. Well, just like you said, though, it's like, how are you experiencing the world, you know, and God? And I love, you know, Augustine talks about our hearts are restless until they yeah. find rest in God. And so, you know, what are some of those questions you can be asking yourself is, am I experiencing restlessness? Like, in what areas of my life am I experiencing this restlessness? And then, uh, what is one thing I can try this week to take care of myself, right? Mm -hmm. Like, because everybody yeah. can do one thing. It doesn't have to be an all-day event. And so don't get discouraged, right? Like, that's the other thing. Like, don't feel bad <laughs> Yeah. not taking care of yourself. And then don't, not, because then that might make you not do anything at all, right? Like, oh, God. the past nope. is I... behind you. Today is a new day. Try something new. And invite somebody in that or tell someone about your experience. Like, I tried yoga today. It was terrible. But you tr yeah. like, but I tried it. So I tried sometimes it. we just have to laugh at ourselves and have that openness <laughs> to try new things. Because you may find something that really speaks to your soul and helps you connect with God and other people. And that's all yeah. we can really try and do and celebrate. And so creating those spaces and opportunities for yourself to try some new practices, I think, is really important. I mean, what great nuggets of information that jesse has offered for us today this has been great uh so before we wrap up uh let's hit these uh end of podcast questions so jesse what is something you have done that has made you feel accomplished oh so i wrote a book oh yeah, yeah. I, wrote, I had been you know i had been looking for this book to give to people about discerning their call and i could not find the book that i wanted to give people right like in the methodist church we give people the christian as minister which is very informative and it's like a book of, it's like a glossary. And yeah. I was like, we have to give people things that help them discern where God is calling them and to celebrate the calls of other people. So that's probably the thing I am the most proud of because my hope is that it will help other people. And that's mm. why I wrote it. And I, you know, I celebrated people who are not clergy, who are lady and doing amazing things and people who are clergy and have interesting call stories. Like this one girl was uh, serving at a museum as a curator like as an elder, right? Like, so I just feel like the possibilities are endless and we are, God has given us the capability to fulfill the desires um, that God has placed in our hearts as we're also helping other people. And so I think it is good to have goals with self-care and also just other things using your gifts that God's calling you to do. And having that goal, at least for me, I'm very goal-oriented, surprise. Yeah. But it, it helps you know you're moving somewhere. Like you're not just stagnant and it doesn't mean that some of my goals will ever be reached. Right. But, um, I think my friend Matt roll had something online the other day and he's just like, if your dreams don't scare you a little bit, you shouldn't have them. Right. Like, oh, so, you get to be friends with Matt roll. Yeah. Matt Roll's my friend and now my author friend. Well, we went to gym together. So he's been oh. super encouraging. Yeah. And that's, I'm part of this like author community now. And it, I love it because it lets each, you know, each other up. So anyway, Sorry. And I'm also proud Sorry. I read a book the other day. I actually finished yeah. a book, you know? There you go. A Hole in the World by Amanda <laughs> Held Opet, which is amazing. Talks about Greek practices that we don't do anymore that are super powerful. Anyway, nice. a little plug in for Amanda. There you go. So I've been very uh, proud who do you go to when life gets tough? <laughs> oh, man. Who do I go to? Oh, so many people. I Aside probably, from God. Yeah, I mean, I always talk to my husband, and I talk to, of course, I talk to my mom, because I have an amazing mom. Mm -hmm. And then I talk to my counselor and my coach, and also just my best friend. You know, I think best friends are, know you. 
That's true. <laughs> you know, like they have the history and they can tell yep. you, hey, this feels terrible. But remember that time? <laughs> and you're like, oh, yeah, like maybe this remember isn't that, as bad as I thought. <laughs> remember that other stupid thing remember you did? That other thing that happened? Yeah. So that's helpful. And then lastly, what is an upcoming goal that you have? You know, since you're goal oriented, mm, right? <laughs> upcoming goal. One goal I have is for this professionally for our conference being innovative. And part of that's what we did with the provisional process this year. But I think just another personal goal that I have is I do want to write a Linton resource. I love Lent. Mm. I'm such a weirdo, but I love it. I love it. It's a great time of year. Right? It's just an opportunity to reset your life with God. And so I kind of wrote it a little bit, but Abingdon was like, who are you? So maybe one day um, they will be like, oh, yes, come write for us. Uh, but that's my other goal is to write another book resource in the next, I don't know, two years. And eventually I want to get my uh, doctorate in pastoral care. Jesse, it's been great. Uh, yeah. So one, so I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna put in the in the podcast notes, friends. So Jesse talked really early on about the self care covenant that we have in Virginia in the Virginia Conference. Um, and whether you're a pastor or not, I really think it's a great resource for you to sit and reflect. Um, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna put that in our podcast notes today so that we can sit and reflect. And then I'll also have Jesse send me the name of that book that she recommended because um, I think that there's a huge role that's played in so self care and how we process grief. Mm -hmm. um, and, and how that works. And I think, you know, we've seen that in a lot of conversations that we've gone through in this podcast. So Jesse, I want to thank you so much for joining thank us you, today Andrew. and coming me. on. Absolutely. Yeah. So as I normally do, I like to end these episodes by just like pulling out those little uh, teasers of things, those nuggets of information that at least from my perspective, I pulled from this episode. And I really love that nature that Jesse talks about that holistic form of self-care that we take, that it's not just one facet. It's not just one moment in a day. It's not just one day a week. It's not just those weeks of vacation a year. And it really came to light when she started talking about, you know, folks who try and use the renewal leave to fix their problems sheerly by having the time off, but they're not doing anything under the surface to, to really truly address why they needed renewal leave in the first place. And I think for many of us, we want to try and treat self-care as just like a one-off. Like if I take this one moment, if I take this one time and I do this one thing, then it's gonna fix everything, right? I just take this one week of vacation and I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna be all right. But what we need to realize in our theologies of self-care is that self-care is a lifestyle. Self-care is something that we need to be intentional about at all times. And so self-care means that we need to be in tune with our bodies to know when we need those times away from, from either uh, stressful, anxious spaces. And we need those times and we need those regular practices that help to fill and enrich us. We can't just expect one moment to fix all of our problems. We have to really be intentional about all of the practices that we are engaging in and how they are impacting the holistic nature of our lives. And that's something that we can practice, right? It comes with a daily practice of, of quiet time, of devotion time, of, of time just to yourself in a way. It comes with regular time with friends, with family, with colleagues, with, with communities. It comes with a, a regular understanding of a certain amount of vacation every year. It's all of things, these things stacked on top of each other that hopefully help us to live into this nature of self-care so that 
even when we get to these high stress times that we might have, yes, we may need an extra time of renewal, but it is going to be in that time of renewal that we recenter on the practices that get, that get us to that place in the first place. And so that is what is going to help us. And that's what I'm taking away from this episode. So make sure, uh, let me know what you're taking away from this episode. So go and, and comment on the post or, or, or send me a message, whatever have you, about what you are taking away from this episode. I want to thank you so much for joining in in this conversation. Don't forget to check out those show notes. We got all kinds of great information in there, including how to find Jesse, where to find Jesse. Uh, you can catch her over on her website. Check out the book that she uh, published. Uh, make sure to join us over in the Active Faith community on Facebook. Uh, and then make sure you follow and subscribe to this podcast. I would love it if you would help to support the mission and ministry that I'm building through this podcast. Go follow and subscribe so that these new episodes are just right in your feed when you need them. Uh, I would love it if you would help to support through a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, and then if you would help to support uh, through my Patreon page, patreon.com slash runnin' rev. Uh, I want to thank the Patreons we already have over there, David Vaughn, Pam Anderson, and Amy Dane, who help uh, to just continue to support this ministry, to continue to make sure uh, that this mission and ministry uh, continues to go on and continues to go forward. Uh, and lastly, don't forget to share this with a friend. You know, I love uh, seeing folks who will tag the podcast. Let me know that you're sharing it. Just let me know that you're listening and enjoying. I, 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 I love to hear uh, that people are getting things out of it, that we're learning things from it, and that we're growing together. I'm not an expert, uh, but I want to create a place for conversation where we can all grow. And so now may God bless each of us, and may we find ways to stay active in and for God's kingdom. Amen.